Peter Hill Explains, where I invite you to join the science teaching conversation with me about... In this podcast, I'm going to talk about shock horror, dirty floors. Now, this uh, came a couple of years, uh, a couple of days ago when someone emailed me and uh, uh, said, just as a side, oh, look, um, the dogs, it was raining here, dogs have been outside and they've completely wrecked the floor and uh, there's one thing is it's required in where I live that uh, you have an absolutely sp- a spotless floor. So I thought uh, initially how to um, give some advice or some feedback on the dirty floor issue and uh, then um, uh, over time decided to construct it into a podcast. So let's get back into the thing. A lot of people probably have not heard from me for a while and uh, it's the standard sort of thing. I'm uh, plugging away at uh, rehabilitation, mental cognitive rehabilitation and you do different things from different times, take breaks and hopefully things come back a bit more coherent, more um, more structured and it's often without a plan. They, they you look at one particular goal and you might get a few extra goals, you might slip back a little bit. It's all part of this uh, long, long road. So for anybody else out there who's had strokes or brain stuff, you really have to, I can't recommend more than doing brain training, gym, uh, plugging away, volunteering and uh, podcasting for a long, long time. And so it's one of the great, one of the things is that um, you lose a little bit of your, your brain filter if, when you've got a stroke. Your brain is trying to go over time and when you're speaking, uh, a lot of rubbish comes out and uh, people, uh, if they're unprepared, they just get overwhelmed and just walk away. And uh, you get more and more people walking away with more and more to say. You've really got to stop, regroup and, and go forward. So what I want to do is I talk about dirty floors, but um, people will see the dirty floor, but then you'll see some, um, I suppose, other things. You can build a picture of someone's life through their experiences with dirty floors. Now, the first point I probably want to go to uh, is uh, my house in Melbourne. My house in Melbourne... uh, it was sort of finished in 1975, so it's a, sort of a product of the 60s and 70s. Home built by a precision engineer who couldn't get one angle, one piece of wiring, one aspect of the home correct. So we got the home cheaply, but then we discovered there were all these problems with it. And uh, my bedroom was in a converted driveway, which still had a slope in it. And it had a secret room behind it, which was a sloping driveway, which had a piece of concrete on it so it's one of those things you went to the back cupboard and the doors hollow you pace it out and then you work out oh my god I can get into the secret room and came across the other the other aspect of it is that all the water would run down the driveway and into my room eventually and uh, time would pass and it would be worse and worse and worse um, going through and we'd eventually pull up the carpet and do all these types of things. But uh, that's not how the carpet got dirty. Um, back in the day, my brother and I had 
uh, a fairly complex game, an economy which required the printing of money. And <laughs> what would happen is that I'd print up uh, up to the nominations of money. Um, so what would happen is we'd get some, um, or I think it's vinyl with a, a chisel, and cut out the the plates. And with the plates we hit it and what I didn't understand is, is that <laughs> he would assist me and remove the money as soon as I printed it so no matter how hard I worked he was always richer he was a younger a bit of a crafty brother and so what this required is a whole series of things it's basically um, this leather um, this type of stuff you chisel it out you um, roll it with ink on top so you can start to see ink and then you use this and you put it on a sheet of paper and it prints the ink ink form so that, that produces out of this so we have this system of course the ink on the carpet in the room and it also if I can say Melbourne is very cold and wet a lot of the time to inside and the inevitable thing is the ice cream bucket so ice cream in Australia comes in these square litre containers you lift off the top the ice cream and you, you save the bucket and use the buckets for various things that had uh, ink in it and the ink fell in onto the carpet this ink fortunately is water soluble ink so how to get the ink out of the carpet so you bring in the garden hose and uh, you get another bit of garden hose to siphon off the water and this required a lot of soaking to uh, to get this up and eventually it got into the underfelt and um, this general general um, thing of just a massive ink project so that, that um, eventually got there and uh, sort of later on the um, the it, my room would flood with water so <laughs> this is like, like a rain and be up to oh an inch two inch of water uh, pretty amazing, pretty amazing room, pretty amazing thing. This house, the complexity of um, you know, roof sagging, <laughs> just, just was falling apart. And to our shock and horror, I think when it was sold in the 2000 or 90s or something like that, they just took one look at it and bulldozed the whole lot of it. A very, it was a very solidly built, complex house with rooms I it was just an amazing house with a sloping driveway and stuff like that but um, we'll get back to the house because uh, my mum uh, replaced the uh, kitchen floor with this tiles these sort of vinyl tiles so it's sort of like marble uh, but it was sort of a market vinyl on the floor sort of a, a coating um, and I sort of reminded me because the picture I was shown was actually a slate floor with just a thin veneer of mud on it, which is like, that's just nothing compared to what I've done to floors in life. And so, oh my God, what's going to happen? Oh dear, dear. I'll, I'll have to clean it up with a mop. Dear. Well, that's that's pretty easily done. Uh, the next process comes along to again in Melbourne in a well-to-do school part of the well-to-do school is they ask they say well, we're 
to advance the image of the school, uh, which I of course didn't really twig on to, we're asking for volunteers to hang around on Friday afternoon when everyone else knows to go home and watch telly and muck around and play sport and, and, and basically muck around and play more sport or get up to mischief. We want to people to volunteer and uh, when you do, you can, um, we will bus you, we will drive you around the suburbs and drop you off and you can do two, three hours gardening in these old people's houses. So it's the school acting charitably with kids to, to do things and uh, nowadays it couldn't be done. Uh, just the insurance alone, um, supervision, child protection, can't be done. <coughs> Back in the, um, I suppose, late 70s, easy, easy peasy, easy to be done. I wonder if it's still still being done. But um, what would happen is I turned up and then I turned up first week, second week and stuff like that. There were a few people who turned up two weeks. Uh, I actually went every single week of my secondary school and uh, possibly not into my final year because I had to do, do a bit of work but uh, definitely and uh, one of the things that they said oh, this is like it's all a complete economy of it's one step away from we want the kids to do it so the school would and what we can do as a school is we can give people colours so you'd have a blazer and you could have colours put on the edge of your blazer, say if you became ducks or was in the stop cricket team or football team or debating team or did social service was one of those things. You get colours on your blazers to, to give you a little bit higher rank. And um, or if you're a captain of one of the sporting teams, sort of sporting houses in there, sort of a bit... Um, derivative of the English, uh, they're called public schools in England, but private schools in Australia. And uh, what would happen is that people go, oh, I want to do this, and they'd turn up, and of course they'd be connected, and they'd get the colours. And of course, the actual people who who did it all the time would just never get it, because they hadn't sort of put themselves in the frame and saying, I'm going to social work now. It was called social work, but of course... um, there's legislation in Australia that social working is done by social workers, and it's a sort of like <coughs> doing not uh, being a doctor or being a nurse. If you if you don't have a nurse's qualification, you, just, you can't be a nurse. That, that type of stuff. You policeman, sort of sort of that air traffic controller. You, you have to have to be qualified. So w- w- there's no way that uh, some people. You know, we we want people to volunteer to be nurses at the end of school. Oh, yeah, he's a nurse. It enraged my mum because she was um, a social, a actual, a social worker. Uh, she was in the very, very, very first class uh, in Australia of social workers. So, social workers, along the idea of arms givers or or sort of agents, which got you. Um, appropriately represented to your um, various agencies. I don't know how, how how the best way to describe it nowadays. But we do have a story. It was this old woman in an old house. Now, there are no longer any of these old houses in existence. They've all been bought up 
bulldozed and stuff like that. The, the, uh, the, there are some. There are, in, fa- in fact, some of the older people I visit still live in these old, old houses. They're, they're wooden. Um, they've got a front door. Uh, they inevitably have a some sort of corridor system. We can see all the way through. Shutters a little bit dark, I suppose, and stuff like that. And she had basically a garden which looked a bit like the Somme. It was just mud and shit and leaves and stuff like that. But she did have one flower. And she said, there's one thing I, I want in my garden. You can do anything, but do not wreck that flower. And so I was hoeing away. And, of course, the hoe got out of control and it just nicked the stem of this one flower. I don't believe there's any... There must have been some leaves or plant something to it. And it just stood there for a while and it went... broke over. And I thought, oh, I could sticky tape it up. No, I can't. I must be honest. I went in and I said, look, shit, this is bad. I'm trying to do the right thing here, and this, this garden—truly, there was nothing, nothing alive in it except for this one flower at the front. And, and it was—you know—people would walk past. You know, it'd be a reasonable house, reasonable house, the Somme with a flower in it, and, and she wanted that flower. And I knocked it over, and I, I, I thought this is dreadful. So I. Knocked the door, come in, and she was right at the back of her house. Uh, a little table, cup of tea. If you, you know the old ceramic teacups and, and stuff like that. And uh, I said, oh, look, um, I, I, uh, I, kept, I broke your flower. I, I'm just really, really sorry. And she said, perfectly okay. That's <laughs> it, you, you know, it's really good you're coming here stuff like that and um, I thought oh that's good yeah that's that I've, I've got out of that you know what more disasters can I create in my life I turned around and looked out it was gloomy where it was and there was the light at the end of the door and then all down the hallway was my muddy boot prints I walked huge amounts of mud into that house, and uh, that was an example of a, um, a a messy, messy floor. Now, look, there's some, some other, I suppose, examples of, of dirty floors. Um, in oh, yeah, well, I have to do this. I'll, I'll do the Adelaide University story a little bit later. Uh, but this next story uh, was from a um, there's a little bit of a story to it in terms of that um, I I was in Victoria and I knew I wanted to get to South Australia and I knew it's a whole sequence of events describes and, and look the example of these stories where I'm doing all these crazy things I do crazy things I learn something and it transfers across so I had built I was looking at how I could 
get to the thread, I have to sock them. And so I had invented one gearing system of a bike. This is, instead of a chain, a huge spring. And as the spring extended, it would change the pitch. And, um, yeah, I, I would ride this. This is the first bike. This is not what's caused the disaster on the floor. And um, uh, what would happen is that you'd cycle. And I'd go up and... Indeed, I, I basically walked incredible distances with with bits and pieces. Like I walked from Kew to Epping, which is apparently 13 kilometres, to find a, a, a factory so I could mill out this, uh, cut out this the, the forward gear on this bike I was building. And the bike I was building had a um, had this spring, and it didn't work. The bike absolutely didn't work and one of the things it would do is that you could put on the handbrakes cycle it up get the spring out and you would just burn out pop out into the into the intersection um but then after that you, you there'd be no traction you couldn't actually put any power through any of it and so I, look I, I thought I, look i thought i had the maths of it there's a couple of things where i built things and these engineers said oh well yeah you haven't and so, so this old engineer at Melbourne University came out. The old, the old, the, he was just old, and he said, uh, "Well, what you've got to do, what you've got to hear, is slippage and a strain gradient." Explain to me about strain gradients. Now, that's at the bike, and many years later, I was in an optical fibres lab. This not very competent scientist was saying, "I can, I use." Um, hot melt glue gun and uh, um, and the, the reason is that I then got the hot melt glue gun squished it over and created an optical fiber re revolution by using the same failed idea in my bike in optical fiber to create a strain gradient which allowed you to tune a um, an optical fiber because you would strain it and the the piece of glue would create a strain gradient. And there's, there's lots of things where I use that knowledge later on. But again, I had the, the challenges that I was going to have to cycle to South Australia. And uh, this was a bit of a problem. So I designed a 3.14 metre long Bemoth bike made out of... Um, uh, <laughs> it would have killed you outright if it, if it ever worked. Um, and this is called the Yellow Peril, and it was painted yellow, and it had uh, it had tubes, which heavy, mild steel tubes, which were brazed, and, you know, brazed, and the, the, I had the lab technician braze this and build this huge bike, and uh, it couldn't steer. So I learnt about raking forward, raking of it. And I had to get this huge chain system because it was a recliner, back-to-back -back recliner bike. <laughs> the great thing is that it did actually, it was a recliner bike, it was ahead of its time. Recliner bike, the idea was the person at the back, uh, would you'd be looking at the forces. You have one person's pedal out the front and another person's pedal out the back. And it had this complexity uh, to it. So the idea is that your legs would be pushing and you, you would be back to back and that you'd have the forward propulsion would not be taken by the, the bike 
the, 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 the pressures of two people cycling would go back to back. Built it. I, I think it's probably the world's only back to back bike. Why? Because people aren't that stupid. <laughs> There's a lot of heaps of heaps of heaps of world firsts which are absolutely stupid. Now there was a few a few strange things. One is that you're standing on it. How do you hold it up? How do you start cycling? You basically needed trainer wheels to go. Unfortunately, in the lab, there was someone had collected a Aerolong stuff, so I put a motor in that, and uh, the the um, wheels, trainer wheels, would you'd start cycling, the trainer wheels would go it's just so slowly, probably 15 seconds at least to go get a little distance above. You know, this was yeah the the um, if an aircraft Aerolong. They've got a high, really high-speed motor, and, it, and it's really geared down. So you, know, you, you don't want a flap, flap, flap. You, know, you just want, you know, we're, we're, well, I assume it was, it was like that. There was another problem. <laughs> that the steering. You put your legs out front, and the, the steering wheel's in between your groin. Now, firstly, there was a problem that to get your... You couldn't get into it, so I had to design a, ha- a steering column where you grabbed up and it folded down. And it was just if you're a bloke and a bike and you have a big pole in front of you, the steering stuff it's it's absolutely a disaster. And um, I, I do remember um, uh, you know being asked, are there any changes by this doctor at this a medical doctor? who was in residence at the college, university college, I was at Melbourne University. And he, when he just, he just said, this, this is a disaster, this should be melted down immediately. And um, uh, so I, I was, um, I think I was invited to high, they had a college high table, stuff like that, invited to high table, and he Oh, I don't think it was on hard table because I just can't remember. I think it was a table off from it. I sat there and uh, he had his back to the window and he said, Oh, yeah, this is. And he just went in and he had this sort of presence. Uh, there were a couple of, couple of weird, weird people like this who went very high, very barristers and stuff like that. But he was a, he's a medical doctor and he said, um, You know, it shouldn't, it's, it's a disaster and stuff like that. And of course, Friends who uh, think, as he was saying that, this this bike pulled out in front, uh, behind him. Now there is a, 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 a dirty floor, so so what you had to be there. But he was saying this is the worst bike ever. It's horrible. There are certain things that, that scientists should never produce, and all like that. And as he was saying this, this this bike slowly came across. Now. I should should say that the bike actually got a very high top speed. I've never been more terrified in my life, and I only ever went back, cycled backwards to recline once at a high angle. A, it wasn't good for your heart, and it was the most terrifying thing. In fact, getting it up to speed was a terrifying thing because it was massive and heavy and hard to steer. There's, it had a huge turnings, <laughs> huge turnings. It just had everything wrong with it possible. 
but in order to get the chains so the chains had to go from your very front full two meters underneath you and it had to go through these sprockets and the sprockets had to be held and the way you do it is you put a tube out the side and you put a a gear system on now you have to put the gear system on you could either well what you could do if you had heard about it you could heat up your gear system your circular gear <laughs> heat it up and then take it uh, while it's still hot slide it on and then it would cool down and contract and it would froze now i've had not a lot of success in this this type of this heat shrinking where you 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 drop a uh, bearing in liquid nitrogen and then pop it in its hole and let it expand this type of stuff you have to know what you're doing and uh, uh, it turned out I didn't know what I was doing. However, it, it actually didn't work. It, so it did work in terms of the... If you do it badly, you distort the thing and you... It, the um, the precision bearings stop and it, you can't... You, you run it and it just goes... Rather than... For a while, if, if, you, if you do this, this wrong. But I had this procedure. And so I've taken the bike home. Uh, but I was still constructing it at this stage. Bear in mind, this is the crime cycle to South Australia for your 21st birthday. So I was 20. Okay, like this. So I, I was, I was at university, and I came home, and I needed to heat this component up. So I got to the oven, so the oven, in the kitchen, with the floor, which, <laughs> which is is this new new vinyl floor. So I don't know, obviously not nowadays, but it's sort of like that slightly marbly type of stuff, so, yeah, really like this. And then uh, the uh, uh, the heat thing, obviously holding in tongs, and I went, steam coming up, pull it up, and oh, it has burnt a, a sprocket shape into this 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 new floor so it's not so there's scuff marks everywhere it's completely new and directly underneath the light a sprocket mark so what the heck can you do can i sand it no so what i did is i got some super glue and i got precision scalpel and i cut and i did plastic surgery and rebuilt the surface of the floor and you could I thought you could barely see it <laughs> so I went home after that parent, parent came back my mum came back my father had died died a while ago and um, then <laughs> I came back and of course the super glue and the dirt the super glue gets really dirty so, so it was just this really obvious piece of plastic surgery in the middle of the sprocket mark so that definitely is a dirty floor of course it it didn't really it wasn't a super crime it was just that's happened and of course um we had this sort of slightly funny house in terms of um <laughs> There was a few fun times that um, mum would lift, open the curtain and say, "Oh, look, he's my brother. He's out in the in the 
in the garden with explosives. <laughs> you just exploding like this, and occasionally uh, we had with sort of letting off off things. Um, this Czechoslovakian uh, woman um, who said, "Who come and say, oh, during the war." The Germans are on one side, the Russians on the other. They're shooting, 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 bang, bang, bang. And, um, you know, we, we would say, we've got no idea where all these explosions are coming from. But I think she did say it one time when she went, oh, no, no. That was, yeah. Uh, there was a few, a few stories like that. They're, they're explosive stories. But uh, you, you can't do that any, anymore. Like, um, back back in the day, you could... In a chemist, you could a chemist. Besides selling chemical, uh, you know, drugs, they would sell you chemicals, and uh, uh, they would. You know, the chemists would know that you. Oh, can I have some potassium nitrate or <laughs> something like that? Or sulfur. I tell you what, sulfur by itself as a, a powder is an excellent thing to play with, um, because you you sort of learn and you get the different. Red sulphur, clear sulphur, yellow sulphur, all different allotropes of it. It's quite, quite interesting to play with. But um, I was just trying to, th- uh, to think, I did have, um, uh, was a s- oh yeah, so a bit later on in Adelaide, uh, the, uh, the great thing of with liquid nitrogen, you'd be able to, they had these long halls at Adelaide University. At night, working through the night, you could, and of course, I don't think you. The, oh, I don't think that that allow any of this anymore. This is students, you know, honors students, PhD students, just working unsupervised through the night, welding, <laughs> welding operating machinery through the middle of the night, two o'clock in the morning, whatever it is. And uh, so we had lots of fun where we would uh, bowl the. Um, liquid nitrogen on the floor and it would move across and, cr- and collect all the dirt uh, dirt going up um, so I think that's my s- set of uh, set of stories to do with dirty floors um, and uh, uh, sort of learning to, to sweep them up and um, just various things which have and haven't worked over the time, um, I, I sort of love mechanical, these little push mechanical brooms things and working out how they work and stuff like that. Uh, and uh, steam mops and that type of stuff. Um, so, so that's uh, a vignette of dirty floors and hopefully it's given a bit of a picture uh, to uh, the um, incredible world. Oh yeah, I just wanted to, to say one final thing, uh, and that's where uh, for disease control um, they've found that the, the, the key thing which tends to to spread germs, or this is early on in COVID-19, I'm not sure whether it's true now, is <coughs> the the contamination gets through water. That's one thing they haven't really sort of wrapped up in terms of someone coughs, the shit hits the floor, the um, the 
little foot things step on top of that and then removing that there's these walking that's how contaminant that this is being able to pick up the contaminants and apparently there's a um, a swab system that you can go and swab places and then put it in and it automatically tells it I think it's bacterial it's a bacterial it does tell you viral stuff but there's all all this uh, stuff that if there's bacteria there there's also virus or if there's a virus that you can tell pick up easily it means that it's a signature thing to look more deeply for other viruses so so there's this whole complex, complex thing where you you do the easy things and where there's a high bacterial load you can then search that and then there's in that area is likely to be a high viral load and with you search there you, you do the more specific specific tests on there and so the, I, I do know that people looking at this have this sort of epiphany moment that dirty floors are important for the spread of viruses thanks a lot for listening another story comes to a close it's been a pleasure sharing this moment in time with you may you discover truly amazing things understand them and tell others thanks for listening